The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to transform your life. Welcome to Direct Connect Empowerment with your host, Fee Mazanke. Our program will explore the concepts and ideas behind Direct Connect Coaching by introducing guests who are using or are aligned with this program and have used the ideas to transform their lives. It is our sincere hope that you can use this inspiration to do the same. Now, here is Fee Mazanke. Welcome to the show, everyone. I can't wait to see what amazing awesomeness we have on today's show as we discuss compassionate leadership. And each Tuesday, I begin the show by sharing an example of the boomerang effect. And the boomerang effect, for those of you who don't know, is the concept we discuss every single week that you, and you can have a visual for it and visualize a boomerang happening that what you put out in life is what you get back. And today's boomerang has to do with the thought that you initially wake up with in the morning. How you begin the first few seconds in your day actually sets the tone for your entire day. So here's the boomerang effect in motion. When you first awaken in the morning, ask yourself what you want for today. Do you say that it's simply just another day and you want to get through the day to solve problems? Or do you welcome the day with a heart full of gratitude, knowing that there are miracles and blessings in so many experiences throughout your day? By starting your day with a grateful heart and a mind of wonderment of the blessings that are out there for you, you can actually really be energized and excited throughout your day. And just to kind of experiment this last week, my daughter was on spring break and we stayed home for the week because she's on the track team and very focused on enjoying her final two months of her senior year in high school. Uh, So we scheduled a fun day after her track practice was finished and she invited a friend to come along. We took the train into the city of Chicago and it was one of those uh, first sunny days and somewhat warm days of springtime, one of those welcoming days that we in the Midwest or people that really, uh, you know, get a chance to experience all of winter really do appreciate what happens uh, on the, you know, when winter is put to sleep for another season. So there were literally thousands of people on Michigan Avenue walking and shopping and enjoying the city. And I mentioned to the girls, it was so fun, um, I mentioned that we were going to be open to the blessings that the day held and that we were there to just enjoy the day and have fun. And so our first blessing came when a homeless man directly delivered a blessing to us right there on the sidewalk. And I told the girls right then and there, I said, girls, 
That was our first blessing. And then our second blessing came in the cab on the way to the train station going back home. And our cab driver gave us another blessing, which made me smile. And of course, I pointed out to the girls. So imagine the first few seconds of your day to be like a movie director for your life. And when you wake up, say action and then direct your thoughts to those uh, things of gratitude and blessings and see what blessings the day holds for you and smile as you receive the remarkable boomerang of the wonderful life movie that you are creating. So now on to throwing out another very important blessing and that is one of compassion. And today I'm thrilled to be joined by my guest, J.P. Hamill of N2 Publishing. So, so very, very happy to have you on the show, J.P. Welcome. Oh, thanks, Fee. It's great to be here. And let me give you a little formal introduction. JP is currently the Vice President of Sales for N2 Publishing, one of the fastest growing media companies in the country as ranked by Inc. Magazine each of the past three years. He has been in sales and sales leadership since 1996 when he took a summer position in direct sales while on summer break from Albright College. He has personally trained and coached thousands of sales professionals, ranging from direct business to consumer sales to the B2B Fortune 500 sales environment. JP has completed three full marathons. Way to go, JP. He uh, still plays baseball competitively in an 18 and over league and is the front person for a 70s and 80s cover band. So on the weekends, you might see him out there uh, playing in his cover band. He lives in northern New Jersey with his wife, Brooke, and their two daughters, and uh, they are expecting their third child this June. So lots is happening in your life and in your world, and I know it's a busy schedule for you, JP, so thank you so much for joining us today. We're looking forward to hearing all about compassionate leadership and how that drives you and drives your growth within your life and your organization. Absolutely. Yeah. And by the way, thank you for that little boomerang lesson to start to start the show today. Uh, certainly, uh, I start my day off. I'll use that lesson tomorrow. I start my day off far less insightfully uh, and meaningfully than you just laid out for us. So thanks for that. Yeah, we always like to share some little tidbit of something that either people experience and write in about or, you know, they'll send messages about or that I kind of notice or witness. And it it certainly was really fun to, um, you know, just to go into the city and say, we're open to blessings today and see when they happen and kind of point them out to the girls. Because it was, it was quite a fun experience for us. And we really did have a wonderful, just a fun day in the city that day. So it was great. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. So let's start with your steps to getting um, to your position as VP of sales with N2 Publishing and how um, every leadership step that you took got you to this place. Because I know you've had many leadership roles over the years. So let's talk about kind of the perfection of all of the things that led you to this point in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I really feel I'm very grateful to have the role that I have, and it's, it's, it's with a great organization, great people, both uh, at the leadership levels and the ownership levels, but also the, the people that I get to work with on a regular basis across the company are just great, great, great people. And, you know, I, the, 
I guess the background here is I had 10 years of experience in direct sales management, which is a very entrepreneurial environment. Uh, so managing independent contractors, non-employees to go out and recruit and train and develop them and develop the leaders to develop them. Uh, I left that organization to move to more of a structured corporate setting where uh, I was working in the fortune world and, and doing uh, hospitality and, and healthcare sales and, and, and the leadership for that sales team. And uh, I did that for three, three to four years. And then I, I had a very short stint in a startup environment, also in a corporate setting. I only say I, I, I bring it to light that way in that, you know, the role I have here as the VP of sales for N2, I look back at all three of those careers prior to, to getting to N2. And while leaving on my own terms and really two out of those three situations, I remember uh, even, on my, even when I left and I chose to leave, it was still a fairly traumatic time. I remember feeling the weight of the transition. I remember feeling the weight of, you know, what was going to be next and leaving behind something that I knew so well. And as I look back now, I mean, really all of those experiences really have kind of baked the the cake, so to speak, of what I lean on every day uh, as, as a VP of sales then too. Um, and, I, and I thought to myself, was, is there any one of those three that I could extract and say, all right, if I did this for 16, 17 years and that was my career, would I have been as well equipped for what I'm doing today? And the answer is no. So that's kind of how I got here. I started with N2 as uh, in, in sales, the the entry-level role is hardly entry-level, but it's called an area director. And I started up a publication or two over the uh, two publications over a two-year period, and then uh, quickly moved into moved into leadership. And even that time was was challenging to start up those publications. But at the same time, looking back at that um, that experience I had, I find that I I have just a real opportunity to relate to every single person that comes into the organization. So uh, that's where we are today. Yeah, I'm sure that ground level experience is really invaluable in really being able to coach and mentor the people that you work with today. So, um, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm sure that that was a big factor uh, in in you um, growing, expanding, and determining your leadership skill set so that you could get considered for this position. And I, I know the growth of the company has just skyrocketed, particularly in the last year, um, with you directing and coaching and mentoring some of the people. I'm certain, knowing you so well, JP, that you would never, um, you know, never attribute any of the growth to that. And there's many other factors to the growth of the company. But mm-hmm. certainly your compassion and leadership skill set has um, been a big factor in the tremendous amount of growth that N2 has seen over the past couple of years. Yeah, thanks, Steve. And, and, you know, I know we're going to probably get, get to this uh, later in, in the interview here, uh, but when you, when you think of compassion, or at least when I think of compassion, it obviously can be um, exhibited without having walked in the person's shoes. But if you have had a chance to walk in the person's shoes, uh, I think it makes it, even for those of us that might go, be going through a time in our lives where, or a moment where we're not really just falling, you know, we're not, we're not being compassionate, it's hard to not be compassionate when you've actually walked in the shoes of the person that you're, you're coaching or leading or, or serving. And, you know, N2 has, we've really exploded since 
kind of like 2008, 2009, and had you know anywhere from 60 to 90 percent growth uh, each of those years since 2010. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with, I mean, again, I'm not, I can't say enough about the people, but the structure that all of the leaders in the organization had to go through the, the startup phase. So just using that as a just as an isolated example, it's kind of an, an interesting model that I know a lot of other companies maybe can't do or choose not to do, uh, but the value in having the leaders walk in the shoes of the people they'll be leading is, is kind of an interesting concept. I, yeah, definitely. A, a, you know, a great concept of building from the ground up so that everyone has mm-hmm. kind of that same entry-level experience, even though it's not really entry-level. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the common denominators that you have found in working with people to support them in doing their very best. Over time, you've coached thousands and thousands of people in your different leadership roles. So what would you say are those common denominators um, that you find in working with those people? Yeah, you know, I, 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 think that there, I think that there are probably a few, but the, the one that stands out the most is that the, the, at least this is a belief that I have that people are doing their best really all the time. Uh, and now that might not appear that they're doing their best based on a standard that, uh, that I may have defined or may have been defined for them or maybe even logically, uh, would, would, would pass them towards success how they would want it. Um, you know, it, but when they, when they're either not putting forth the effort or they're not putting forth the right type of effort or with the right strategy, it's not because that person is, you know, inherently lazy or is choosing to fail. Uh, I believe that they're, they're working with the resources, uh, both physically and emotionally that they, they're equipped to deal with at that point in time. So, uh, you know, I think that the common denominator here is effective coaching is understanding that if someone's not moving forward, they're stuck on something. It's really our job to help them arrive at what the, the block is and, and help move them move them through that, whether it's personal coaching, which I've, I've had the privilege of working with you on, and, uh, or, or, uh, or life coaching, or, or even sales coaching uh, for all of those sales leaders that might be out there, organizational leaders, that the people that are there are generally doing the best with the resources that they have. If that's the governing principle in how you're approaching someone, it does change how you look at them as, a, uh, as, as, as someone that you're, you know, you're probably assigned, or at least I've been assigned to move. in in the right direction. So that's what comes to mind. Yeah, and that's such a great point because, you know, I adhere to the idea and concept that what you are what you believe and it all comes true. And um, if you really do believe as a leader that people are doing their best all the time, that, um, that if they're, you know, they're really doing their best and they want to succeed, but there's some type of block. As a, a leader, it's your responsibility or your opportunity to help them move through the block. And so, um, you know, oftentimes what I find is fear becomes a block in, in people really succeeding in any walk of life. It doesn't matter if it's personal or professional. Once you can find the fear or fears to that that keep coming up or keep presenting to the people that that tends to be the common denominator of a block. So um, I really yeah. I I like that concept that yeah just have that attitude that people are doing their best. JP, yeah, what would you? Way, see, 
go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you wholeheartedly in that. And 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 when you think about a, the need of a person, right? So that if they're doing their best and they're stuck on something, clearly from the outside analytically, it might look like they're putting forth not enough effort or the wrong effort or enough effort with the the wrong attitude. Uh, that blockage, as you as you pointed out, the thing they think they need from us the most is really to to help them manage, deal with, feel, and work through fear. And, you know, I think, and I, I say this firsthand because we all deal with this in different areas of our lives, both personally and professionally, uh, the fear of failure causes lack of activity. The fear of success can cause a lack of activity. The fear, the fear of, uh, you know, doing something that I'm a little uncomfortable doing uh, can, can create the wrong, the wrong strategy uh, or the wrong type of effort. And, you know, the fear of security, the fear of not having my basic needs met can cause uh, activity, but with the wrong intentions or the wrong attitude. So I think really, I mean, what they need from us the most is for sure to help them work through that. Yeah. And that takes a compassionate guidance, doesn't it? I mean, that's really mm-hmm. where the compassion comes in is re- truly understanding that there is something that's blocking them. Oftentimes, a fear, fear of failure um, really comes forth quite a bit, and it does cause that stifling um, mentality, so to speak, so that their activity level is is decreased or their activity level is non-existent. And so mm-hmm. as a compassionate leader, if you are indeed looking at at people doing their best all the time, then again, that compassion can really help support that, find that, and move them through that fear, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's, it's quite an interesting, um, you know, concept, this high idea of compassion, which it, in many interviews um, on the air over, over the past year, if we're talking about relationships or we're talking about um, uh, anti-bullying concepts, parenting concepts, compassion seems to be a very important and underlying theme throughout all of the interviews that I've done with people. So we are, uh, we're definitely on to something here. And I know that your compassion as a leader uh, really definitely shines through JP, which is why um, we're doing the interview today. So we are actually up to our first break of the day. So we are talking about compassionate leadership with JP Hamill, and we'll be right back. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Do you want to directly impact your business results, improve the quality of your life, learn to empower yourself, or move through roadblocks to create more success for yourself? If so, directly connect with Fee Mazanke at Direct Connect Coaching. Fee is an expert in the field of coaching with over 14 years of experience. Go to www.directconnectcoaching.com to learn more about Fee's empowering programs. Fee works with individuals and delivers keynote messages that are inspiring and uplifting. Experience what Fee has to offer at directconnectcoaching.com. Social media is important to your business. 
but you might not know how to do it right. Doing social media yourself can be a challenge. I have discovered a company that gets it done for you. They post seven times a week to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Google+, and they can monitor reviews on over 45 sites at a price any business can afford. Get more information at GetSocialWithFee.com and get your free analysis to determine your company's social media effectiveness. Visit GetSocialWithFee, that's F-I dot com, and find out more today. Because doing it wrong is worse than not doing it at all. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Direct Connect Empowerment. To reach Fima Zanke or her guest on the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now back to Direct Connect Empowerment. And we're back. And if you do have questions for JP about compassionate leadership, by all means, give us a call. And we're going to keep on moving through our, our uh, interview on compassionate leadership with JP. And JP, what would you say are the greatest needs that leaders can understand about working with people? Well, you know, I, th- I think it's a combination of understanding the, the, the need of, uh, you know, helping them through that blockage of fear and understanding that they're trying their best, although... Um, you know, oftentimes it really doesn't look like they are they, they are trying their best at all. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, it can appear that way. But again, what's interesting from, uh, from a coaching perspective is the more that you can connect to that degree of productivity within a person, the more that you can see them moving through whatever block may be coming up to really feeling and seeing and experiencing success. As a leader, your vision is definitely executed then through that person. And so it's, I always like to say, you know, kind of adjust your, adjust your vision a little bit. And, um, and I've had it happen many, many times in my own life, even, you know, not just in a leadership capacity, but just in life in general. And it really Mm -hmm. does make a difference. So one quick uh, side note, as most of the listeners know, I just lost my mother last month. And one of the things that was interesting for me to experience was as we were going through her passing, they the, people often will experience as they're dying, they will experience what's called terminal restlessness. And I was watching this, the nurse was explaining it to me, and I was watching this with my mom. And so knowing the coaching capacity or the coaching concepts that I use, I decided to use it in that moment on a Thursday before her passing. And um, I noticed her being really agitated and restless, and that's common. So I just held on to her feet, and I was rubbing the bottoms of her feet, and I was breathing with her. And I just kept looking at her and saying, Mom, peace now. Peace now, peace now. And so I did that enough times and I just kept my focus on that so that her terminal restlessness for that time 
allowed her to relax and she was able to take a nap in the chair that she was sitting in. So I've, I've used this over and over and over again and it really does work. So I, um, I agree with you, JP, is that just keep your focus on that they are doing their best and pull out the fear block and, and you'll see the results um, shift very quickly. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk about how you've developed your compassion as a leader. What would you say are some of the common um, factors that you've really seen and grown in your compassion as a leader? Well, I mean, this is actually uh, interesting, Lee, that we're talking about this topic, because I, I think that this is actually an area in, in throughout my entire career that I've struggled with. And I think, I think a lot of leaders do. Uh, because it's really, I think it's quite frankly pretty easy for your ambition to lead and govern uh, what you're pursuing, whether, you know, whether it's a sales goal or a team goal or something, the next promotion. And while that is the you know, potentially the motivation that your the aspiration in, in some ways creates action for you, um, a lot of times as a leader, at least for me, I found that getting in the way of compassion. And there have been enough times when you ask, you know, how do you you develop it? I think I have failed enough times as a leader uh, through not being compassionate to to really lean on and as a reminder and as a as just a a nice nice memory book of disasters professionally where I've not done well. The people that I've served suffered as a result of it, and. Uh, and as I, you know, as I lead the team today or as I lead a team or engage in a conversation, it's hard to forget some of those failures. So I think some of us are lucky enough to have had those failures to lean on. I think, I think hopefully all of us that have, that have experienced those can at least extract from those failures one of the driving forces behind it, which is oftentimes selfishness. So uh, that development really just comes through uh, trial and error in a lot of ways. The other thing on that, I guess also on that point that comes to mind is, while as a leader, you may be, our, I may be, you may be on, on, on our game collectively, right? We're, we're on our game professionally, and as a result, it sometimes can be challenging to empathize with the one or two people on the team that you're having a difficult time getting movement with. You're having a difficult time motivating or inspiring or helping them achieve what they want to achieve. And that compassion doesn't really set in right away because you have the other 10 or 15 people that you might be leading and you just want to say in the, you know, either out loud or in, inside, gosh, why aren't they just doing what those people are doing? It'd be, it'd be great. And then, you know, you look internally and I've done this so often where I might feel like I'm on my game personally, uh, professionally, but personally, there might be an area of my life that, I might be exhibiting the exact same issues. I might be stuck personally in those areas, yet I'm working with people who might be stuck professionally. And I think sometimes that has helped me uh, really uh, develop the compassion, or at least they focused on being compassionate, when my natural mode might not have been to. That's such a great point, and it, it really speaks to the point of how people, all people around us mirror where we are and there is going to be a level of awareness that happens when we're leading people um, and, and when, you know, when somebody is stuck, um, it's really your greatest growth opportunity and it may be a growth mm-hmm. opportunity in your personal life or professional life or whatever the case. 
I remember in my case, uh, when I first started coaching, I had somebody that I was really struggling with and my coach kept saying, that's your greatest teaching opportunity to really, when you get a breakthrough with that person, you're going to really, you know, experience yourself as a, uh, at a level of coaching where you haven't done it before. And that was really the truth. And so mm-hmm. if we can look at these people as, as our teachers to really help us to understand and develop greater compassion or, you know, and it may be greater compassion for ourselves and, you know, and saying, Hey, let's give, give ourselves a little bit of a a break instead of being so hypercritical about whatever it is that we may be experiencing. So that's a great Mm -hmm. point. Yeah. What benefits are gained when you lead from a place of compassion, JP? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, ultimately, if we're just speaking as, as practically as possible, I think the end result, at least from a place of leadership, we're talk, if we're talking about compassionate leadership, uh, I think that just overall, overall benefit here is result, are the results of the team or the results of the organization. But I think really what makes up that, that positive result is, is trust. And I think it really is impossible to build trust with someone when you're trying to lead them from your own personal gain um, or you're trying to lead them without having compassion for that person and relating to what they're going through and helping them through, as we talked about earlier, what they might be just stuck on. I also think that compassionate leadership, another benefit is the, the idea of sustained traction with, with the person or sustained uh, motivation with the team. And I've, 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 um, I've practiced both compassionate leadership and, and a non-compassionate leadership. I've been a part of teams that have been led through both. And the best way I can explain this is I think when someone is leading without compassion and trying to like, crack the whip or, or motivate using fear um, as an ally in that situation, maybe not for good, but just trying to you know, manipulate the activity, manipulate the mind of the people they're leading, manipulate the person that they're coaching through fear, through um, high-energy motivation. It's kind of like trying to build a bonfire with just, you know, like a bunch of lighter, like a couple of gallons of lighter fluid and some leaves. You can, you know, pour the lighter fluid on that fire and get it to go really high, but it's not really building something that's sustaining. Uh, I think through compassionate leadership, it may take a little longer to build the fire. It may take a little longer to get the result, but it's, you know, it's the equivalent of building with, with wood or coal and, uh, and you don't even need the lighter fluid to get it going. It just takes a little bit to get it built just right. But once it is, that sustained traction, uh, the benefit there for an organization, uh, you know, whoever's using it, uh, for the, the, the group that they're coaching, uh, is, is incredibly valuable. That's a great point, JP, and, and a, a really uh, wonderful visual and analogy about, um, you know, just not having, so to speak, a flash in the pan type of result, but really that long term, you know, keep the embers hot underneath so that the fire can continue to burn. So I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that visual, definitely. Um, what is the primary mission of N2 Publishing and how do you look to fulfill that mission daily? Yeah, well, uh, great question. Yeah, the, the, well, the mission statement for N2 is to, uh, to build a nationwide company that honors God, 
strengthens the family and builds financial wealth for everyone involved. And uh, that's it's front and center really on on anyone anyone that would would come across our company somehow some way would see that. And I think that mission resonates with people differently. Uh, to simplify it, I guess for at least through the uh, the lens that I think many of us look at the, the mission statement with. Uh, we, we really believe that the people that we work with and to honor those people and to care about those people is, is extremely important. And that's right in the front, front of our mission statement. Uh, and I say people we work with, we're talking about the, uh, the, our team members that are part of the NQ team, uh, internally as well as our clients, as well as our residents who receive our publications. And, and I think we're, we're, we're really passionate about creating a program where our team can be highly profitable, they can flex their schedules uh, as they want or need, and just bring real value to the businesses who we partner with to help them grow their business. And I think it's a unique mission statement in that I don't know that necessarily it was created with the idea uh, in, the, in the way we're talking about it, within the context that we're talking about it today, of compassion. But really, if you think about it through uh, the eyes of someone who, who might be expressing a compassionate leadership or compassionate coaching, it really does fit in nicely with, with our, our mission. And whether it's you know, something that I've used as a strat- compassionate leadership as a strategy or, or so, some individuals in an organization, I think overall, the, the cadence, the beat of the, the company, the mission behind the company is really built around compassionate leadership when you really look at it at its core. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And as I mentioned earlier at the onset of the show, compassion seems to be woven into any interview that I do. I mean, it just seems to come up over and over and over again. And in in describing success in any area, relationships, parenting, whatever it may be, uh, tell us, JP, what was the most difficult experience you uh, have ever had where you brought compassion to an indi- individual and saw a shift happen? Yeah, well, I, it, it's actually, there, there are a couple of stories that come to mind here. And, and I guess the, the, the one that I'll lean on here is, is actually probably centered more around um, the, the shift that happened with, with the entire team, but through an experience I had with, with someone who I was coaching. And uh, I took over uh, when, I, when, I, when I moved into leadership within this organization uh, back in 2010. Uh, I took over a team of you know, four or five people, and uh, we, we ultimately ended up growing it to 50-plus people in, in a few years. But that first year, I was, I was definitely focused uh, and I was definitely in a fearful state where I was focused on what was best for JP. And I remember, uh, and I, I'd coached for many years prior to that, and I'd led teams, and uh, I, I had known the textbook answer and response, and uh, I, I really knew how to, how, to, how to have a one-on-one uh, coaching session. I knew how to do a field training or ride along and watch them and coach them and mentor them. I knew all of that. I, got, I had that down, and I remember traveling around for, for a day with one of our, 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 um, our teammates who was, who was really struggling. And, and I remember, I mean, just, I, I felt steam coming out of my ears throughout the entire day. Uh, it was, it, I felt like not only was, was I not gaining any traction for that day, but I, clearly the conversations I'd had with this person 
were were extended well before that that ride along for that day. And uh, that night, I had an opportunity to catch up with an old leader, and we sat down at dinner, and uh, I just debriefed on on the day. And they they shared with me. They said, "JP, you're doing this all for the wrong reasons, and you're doing this for you. You're not doing this for the people." And and I I, I actually was a little defensive about that at the, at the time because I I knew that that was not the right modality. Right, I knew that. There was a better way, and a leader is supposed to lead from a servant perspective, not lead uh, from the perspective of, hey, what, what are you going to do for me to help us attain what we wanted to attain? But my ambition, my, my, um, my aspirations to, to grow the team um, were really so strong that I forgot that it really was about the person and embracing the situation, embracing the conversation, looking at the conversation that we were having as exactly what we're supposed to be talking about versus being frustrated uh, that we're actually having this conversation again. Can you believe it? And, you know, that was a very, it was a painful point in time in my life as a leader, uh, especially because I had success in leadership prior to that. Uh, It really was causing me to question a lot of, you know, a, a lot of things internally and externally. And once I was able to shift that mindset back to a place of, of, servant, uh, servant, of servitude and compassionate leadership, uh, the whole thing started to take shape for the positive, and uh, we went on a, on a great run ultimately ended up getting uh, promoted a couple of years later. But that shift happened just from that one moment, uh, getting focused back on what's really important. Yeah, and that is um, so, you know, true and real and honest, and I appreciate your honesty as you uh, share that story with us because, again, if we look at those difficult experiences, those are experiences where we can become, as leaders, as human beings, very introspective to look at what's coming up for us so that we can make internal shifts to make things happen. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what you did. You, you made the internal shift to make things happen. And what a wonderful thing for you as a leader, rather than kind of short circuit and become angry, you did initially, you became angry and, and upset and steam coming out of your ears. But the shift in you happened first before mm-hmm. you saw the shift outside of you. And that's one thing that I really enjoy seeing in coaching people and, and coaching clients over time is that if you're looking outside of yourself, you're going you're gonna to spin your wheels to change something or someone. You got to look within to make the shift internally first, and then you will see it externally. And that's what I keep hearing you say over and over again, which is wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we've got to take another quick break, so we'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Social media is important to your business, but you might not know how to do it right. Doing social media yourself can be a challenge. I have discovered a company that gets it done for you. They post seven times a week to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Google+, 
and they can monitor reviews on over 45 sites at a price any business can afford. Get more information at GetSocialWithFee.com and get your free analysis to determine your company's social media effectiveness. Visit GetSocialWithFee, that's F-I.com, and find out more today. Because doing it wrong is worse than not doing it at all. Do you want to directly impact your business results, improve the quality of your life, learn to empower yourself, or move through roadblocks to create more success for yourself? If so, directly connect with Fee Mazanke at Direct Connect Coaching. Fee is an expert in the field of coaching with over 14 years of experience. Go to www.directconnectcoaching.com to learn more about Fee's empowering programs. Fee works with individuals and delivers keynote messages that are inspiring and uplifting. Experience what Fee has to offer at directconnectcoaching.com. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Direct Connect Empowerment. To reach Fee Mazanke or her guest on the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now back to Direct Connect Empowerment. And we're talking with J.P. Hamill today regarding compassionate leadership. And J.P.'s been giving us some great examples about how he has seen shifts in um, really dealing with people as he brings forth a higher degree of compassion within himself. So the kind of the the really important message that keeps being reiterated over and over again is that it's coming through him first. The shifts are coming through him first, and then he's seeing it outside of him. So, JP, what value would you say uh, does compassionate leadership have within an organization? You know, that's a really good question. I think that I think that most of us that move into leadership, uh, and I, I don't know that many people get sustained or formalized coaching on how to be a great coach or how to be a great leader. So most of what we learn, and most of what I learned um, outside of some seminars, was really leaning on experiences I had had with the mentors and the coaches that I had worked for in the past. And I think most people operate, uh, most people operate from that, that, that place. And a lot of the great conversations, and I could think of several of them in my life, where there were turning points or pivot points where there was some great, great stuff that followed the conversation, often leans back on a very tough conversation. And, you know, we hear all these, you know, all of these stories of coaches, either in professional athletics or, or in business that were just, they were so blunt and so direct and so honest. And, and while all of those things may very well be true, a lot of times uh, what's missed is the fact that those leaders often, if not most of the time, ex- express or, or work with compassionate leadership behind the scenes. And, and I think back to the conversations that I, that, that I had in my life that were very tough. And if I thought about how I had movement from that conversation, that essentially just came from a very real place. The leader was just being honest and direct with me. 
and they were in some ways, in a couple of times, pretty pretty harsh and, and blunt about it, not sugarcoating the issue. If that was the only way that person communicated with the people that they'd worked with, with no tolerance for anything less than that standard, uh, they would not have been expressing compassionate leadership, and they'd just be this honest, blunt, direct person just telling people off all the time. But I think that sometimes how we, uh, you know, as leaders, we remember that and we think, okay, I have to be harder, I have to be tougher, I have to be firmer. And I, I think that honesty and realness, is, and it's, you, you can't lead without it. It has to happen. But I think the leaders who are able to uh, understand and relate to people, empathize, show compassion, build that framework of trust where that it actually allows those tougher conversations to happen uh, and actually be received by the person that you're, you're being real with. Yeah, it's a great balance between being real and being honest, but showing compassion. Would you say? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then um, how would you say, JP, that leaders in organizations become more compassionate? W- would you say the driving forces through their experiences or maybe how they're being led? Just give us a little thumbnail of what you believe uh, people, people, what drives people to becoming more compassionate in their business. Well, I think I think someone has to should really ask themselves why they're in leadership, uh, and I think that the, the greatest leaders who I've worked with, and or, or either as a peer or as someone that has mentored me, I truly believe that they've they've moved into leadership because they actually love the idea of helping other people, and if that's the driving force, the motivation of moving into that type of a position, that's really being a leader is, is like being a servant to the team, uh, and I think being an effective leader is, is being a servant to the team. If they're, if they're there, then being a compassionate leader, I don't believe, is very far away. So, you know, I think that, um, you, you know, I think that uh, a, a leader who is focused on their own ambition, a leader that's focused on what, what is driving them, is going to struggle getting to that place until they can really um, take a step back and ask themselves that question. So I think developing that compassion really does, it does come from your own experiences, but I think it also comes from really where they probably are already anyway. Maybe just not focused on it uh, today, uh, but I think just a, a slight shift in thinking can really help each day, uh, helping them become more compassionate with their teams. And and as a follow up to that, if if sometimes I call it automatic pilot syndrome, where people just kind of go into the after a number of years of being in a certain position, they could just go into automatic pilot syndrome. There's a lot of mm-hmm. assumptions that are made in working with people when that happens. And I remember it happening to me so vividly um, many, many years ago in the corporate world. And we worked together so regularly that I assumed that certain details were going to be buttoned up and they weren't. And then as the leader, it came back to me as, hey, these things, you know, fell through. So um, how would you, how would you suggest to people to not get, you know, the resting on your laurels um, experience so that that compassion still shows up? I feel like I'm kind of an expert at autopilot, see? <laughs> <I'm just laughs> yeah. It's not, 
I find myself in that area so often, and as you pointed out, it's, you're right. It's something that we can easily take for granted. I think it just it's about being present, right? I mean, you're, you know, there, we have things going on in our personal lives, things going on in our business lives that usually span beyond the conversation that we're having right now, uh, or you're having, or I'm having with that person that I'm coaching or leading, and just just zoning it all out. And I say this not because I've done it perfectly all the time, uh, but I think that. As, as leaders lead their teams, they have to understand that it's really made up of, and whether, whether it's a two-person organization or a 200 or 2,000-person organization, it really is made up of individuals that all share similar concerns and fears and, and doubts, and, and that level of compassion really does come through the most when we're, we're just present when communicating with them, that we're, we're not taking that relationship for granted or their thoughts for granted or their actions for granted. Yeah, it definitely does. And I I know somebody pointed this out to me over the weekend um, when we were together, and it was just an observation of really that being present and just kind of stopping and taking time to connect with people no matter who they were, no matter what was going on around. And it was just making it a point to say, hey, you know, stop connect with people and be very present. And I think that's such a great thing to practice um, Mm -hmm. is being present. And one of the other things that has really been such an important factor for me, again, not perfect at doing it all the time, but as I always go out into the world, one of the things that I keep in mind regularly is the concept that we are kind of one connected um, human body being, you know, and so keeping that oneness and connection in mind is always something that allows that power of presence to come forth and to come forward. So it's an interesting, um, I, I like to look at it as kind of always a science experiment to just play with, you know, just going out and doing that and just taking the time just to see, like I said at the, at the opening of the show, just to see what can happen when you really pay attention to people and connect and be really present with them. So it would be fun for people that are listening today to just look at this week as how can compassion show up for me this week and how can I connect to be really compassionate with the garbage man or the mailman or the person that's serving my breakfast, you know, just any Mm -hmm. way that can happen, anything that can happen to really make that happen. I think it's always a fun, I like to play with these concepts and it's always fun for me to kind of see what happens at the onset of it. Yeah. Um, last year, N2 had tremendous growth, 80% uh, growth last year with you at the helm of, uh, as B- a VP of sales. What do you attribute that huge degree of growth to? Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there, there are a lot. I mean, there, I think there are a fair amount of factors here that go into it. I mean, we have a lot of great people in leadership uh, along with me, um, that that are that are leading this team that are, are really just worked worked so hard to help others grow and help others achieve what they're what they've set out to achieve. Uh, I think the organization, uh, as, as I said earlier, the mission statement that compass, I think, points us in a certain direction with with who we are and how we engage with our people. 
um, both internally and externally. Uh, I think we have a, a solid infrastructure that is that has allowed for that growth, uh, where you know it's been very easy for us to have posted the, the the sales numbers that we did, but did not have the support internally to manage it. But to go back to the mission statement for just a second, I think you know if you, not every company, of course, is is the same. Every company has a different culture, um, either dramatically different or slightly different. But our, our company culture, if you look at the mission statement just as as kind of a defining point, it doesn't speak to being the largest or the biggest or the best. It, it's a company that wants to support their people their lifestyle, and help them create financial wealth according to how they define it. And I think that alone, uh, if, if you wanted to look no further, that's one of the most, the, the greatest influencers in our growth, because I think we're attracting a lot of great people that that, sta- that statement resonates with. I mean, not that people wouldn't want to be part of the biggest or the baddest or the best and uh, the most successful. We're accomplishing that anyway. Um, but, but we're doing it through a focus of really creating great things for the people who we work with, both in, inside and outside. So I, I think aside from the leadership falling in line with that, aside from many of our leaders expressing compassionate leadership, aside from a lot of just great individuals who have put in the time to help the company grow, I think we're just attracting and retaining people that that that, that resonates with, and I think it resonates with with many. Yeah, and um, as we are coming to a conclusion of the interview today, what would you say are the objectives to keep that growth happening at end two? Mm-hmm. I, I think just you know almost almost to the point that you mentioned earlier about autopilot. As the company grows, I, I mean, I started with the company. There were fifteen to twenty people. Now we have about 1,000 people in the company just six years later. Uh, there were people that were part of the company <laughs> before that where there might have been two or three. And I think it's easier to be, um, or it could be easier to be fully present and not on autopilot as, a, as an executive leadership team or even just as a leader when you have two or three people versus you know 20 or 30 people or a company-wide one or 2,000. So I, I think as long as we're able to keep our focus on compassionate leadership, the, the mission statement that governs a lot of our culture, if not most of our culture, and being fully present with people that are on our team when we're working with them. Uh, I, would, I would imagine that we would experience the same type of success as we continue to grow uh, even bigger than we are today. Yeah. And um, for people that may be interested in joining N2 or checking out the publications or the business opportunity, Give us the website that they can go to. Yeah, it's uh, www.n2pub, uh, and like Nancy, the number two, and pub is in publishing.com or n2publishing.com, and all the information is there for them to investigate a little bit more about who we are and submit an application. And obviously, um, I, I'm a, a firm believer in the leadership there, um, you know, with, with you, JP, and Earl, and Dwayne, and then some of the people that are working there at the, at the, uh, in the leadership roles. And I would say that um, it, it's definitely a relationship 
guided relationship built organization. So um, check it out if you're interested in joining the team. There's, I'm sure there's business opportunities that you can check out online. So thank you so much, JP. It's been an absolute pleasure listening to the wisdom and insights that you have to share from the many different shoes that you have filled over the years. Um, But really your compassion does kind of just shine through in all of the uh, work that you do and the experiences that you have. So thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Theo. It was great being here today. Yeah. So we honor, as always, our men and women of service, and we thank the men and women who serve our freedom and country. And to our very loyal listeners, thank you so much for listening. I wish you all a very inspired week, and I'll be right back here next Tuesday. So thanks for listening. Thank you again for joining us this week on Direct Connect Empowerment. Fima Zanke will be back with another guest next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you then.